Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, welcome into a special conversation here as part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am TJ Reeves. I've got Dr. John Lewis, the purveyor, the owner, the operator. You read him all over the place on SportsMediaWatch.com. We have decided here to delve a little more into the television ratings. And, John, we've got a special guest that's got tremendous insight on this as we uh, try to get more educated on the out-of-home numbers and the hocus-pocus that seems to be going on with that and what might some of the bigger events at the end of 2022 look like as well. So, John, why don't you welcome in our special guest? All right. Uh, We are very happy to be joined today by the great Pat Crakes, the former Fox Sports executive, and uh, he's a consultant now, and he's about as big an expert on the TV ratings as anybody. So uh, he'll be able to answer basically any questions that we have about the numbers in a time of transition right now with Nielsen and out of home and uh, all of these various questions about what the audiences actually are. So Pat, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you here. Um, I think thanks a lot for having me guys. And I will try to live up to that. uh, The expectations. Those are pretty, pretty high, but I'll do the best I can. All right. Well, why don't we just go ahead and jump right in? There was a report this week. uh, Basically, Nielsen did a special examination of the NFL Thanksgiving numbers and found that even without a home viewing, the numbers that were reported still are insufficient to kind of capture just how many people are actually watching. So I assume that you're familiar with this study that was put out uh, this week. And can you give us a little bit more detail on what Nielsen found? And uh, really, I guess the question is how close we are to finally getting a really accurate count of who was watching these big NFL games. So I'll, I'll take the first one. I'll take the last question first. I mean, the answer is we're a ways away and um, there isn't anything on the horizon I can see that's going to get to this magical accuracy issue, right? The best we could probably hope for is to continue to have a narrowing directional idea, okay? We're talking tens of millions of people. If some of the out-of-home numbers are to be believed, hundreds of millions. I'm kidding with that, of course. But um, but the truth of the matter is, is that um, finding a system that everyone can accept to transact upon, that is audited properly and everyone feels safe, uh, doesn't always mean you get a, a system that is perfect. Uh, there are so many different participants in this, and the system evolved with the television media ecosystem, and now is expanded to, to have its fingers into the digital measurement system. It is unrealistic to expect that somehow we're going to get pinpoint accuracy. It's a wonderful idea to go for. The industry has to set that. So I'd like to just put that on there. There's an expectation somehow that digital is more accurate. You should tell that to the important people who know a lot about Facebook who think 20% of the impressions are fraudulent. Digital is not more accurate. 
Um, there are problems with digital, measuring demos, figuring out what standards to use and audit. So, so we're a ways away, but I think we're getting there because there is a demand. And given that media is everywhere now, and to be able to afford creating the content and paying for the rights for the content, you're going to need increasingly better measurement. So we're moving in that direction. Um, the, the bad news for a lot of people is that Nielsen's going to continue to dominate that. For the reasons I mentioned earlier, you have to have a system everyone buys into to transact upon. I used to say for years, Nielsen Media Research is a lot like Arrakis Spice. You know, it's got to flow. Uh, if anybody knows anything about the science fiction novel Dune, it's got to flow. But that doesn't mean that it necessarily has to be pinpoint accurate. The entire business trades upon it. And for all practical purposes, Nielsen is a natural monopoly. And it's uh, product is ratings instead of energy or something like that for a public utility. So, um, but yeah, so, so pivoting a little bit to what's going on specifically with these holiday measurement periods that are important. Um, look, Nielsen requires audio measurement to give credit for viewing and, um, and the portable people meter one, which most out of home, depends upon. It also depends upon button pushing with meters and things like that. For many years, the way you measured out of home was you went into a Nielsen home and the Nielsen home folks said, hey, welcome to the fill in the blank event. Let me push the button that logs in a guest. Now, uh, many sample homes do that, right? Then we had the we had the portable people meteor come via an acquiring of Arbitron by Nielsen. And 15 years after the acquisition of that technology, they fielded it. And now using audio codes, which Nielsen transitioned to for the sample homes as part of the digital transition in 2007, 2008, um, you can wear a little portable device that basically picks up the audio codes. The thing is you got to have the sound on to pick it up. So think about the Thanksgiving environment, right? Um, not everybody has sound on the whole time. So there can be a lot of people in your house and some of them can either, you can be in a sample home house and, um, and, and honestly, miss, miss some measurement. Um, the idea that we're capturing so much more than we used to is actually a great move in the other direction. I'm not surprised that an audit study was done with the NFL and Nielsen where they went out and actually asked people a question. Um, and, and that question, uh, was, you know, a series of questions about, did you watch, you know, Thanksgiving football? And they backed into a different number and found that a lot more people were watching NFL football, uh, than, than the Nielsen number showed. And that has to do with the measurement methodology. Um, it's possible Nielsen missed people, even though the number went up big time, the numbers for out of home are very big. They're driving they're pretty much keeping the viewing afloat uh, versus what it was years ago, thanks to declines inside of the traditional TV system. And um, so there's a real logical explanation for it. The question is, is how do you fix that? And the answer is going away from audio codes is a 10-year project. You're not going to capture a lot of that viewing. But it makes perfect sense when you think about a larger business perspective, guys, uh, because the NFL has every reason to say, look, you're missing us. You've done a great job in getting what you have, but you're missing so much more. What's up with that? So do the networks. That's leverage on Nielsen. That still provides value to NFL product. Uh, it enables the networks to go out and leverage with advertisers. Look, we're not getting credit for this, so you need to give us better pricing, which is, by the way, what they did for years with the NFL. For years with the NFL, basically, advertisers in exchange for delaying out-of-home measurement. 
It was actively delayed by the networks and the advertisers. The advertisers gave CPM increases. What they said was, if you start delivering more impressions to us, we're going to make you count all of them. And we're going to argue over every compression. But it, we can keep what we have today and, and allow you to post on households. The NFL was the last product, the last viewing product to stop being measured on households and traded and transacted and posted on with households. And we'll just give you a CPM bump. And the CPM bump was enough that executives who will go unnamed were asked to delay the best they could out of home measurement. Interesting. There's a lot there. You gave us a lot of meat on the bone. I'm curious about Sorry. one thing. Uh, the Dallas-New York Giants game, we were told, had in the neighborhood, give or take, of $47 million with the out-of-home measurement. Educated speculation. Is that number maybe $5 million short? Is it maybe 7 or $8 million short? Maybe more of what actually the audience was and who actually watched? You're, you're obviously an expert in this. What's the educated speculation? What do you think? Uh, so I think the survey probably overstates this. When you go back to somebody who ran a consumer research with a multi-million dollar budget for, for multiple decades, I can tell you that in surveys, people can overstate things, even if you do a really great job of trying to structure it correctly, right? So my guess is the survey is overstating what the uplift is, but it, 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 there's no doubt that there's some lift there simply because of the methodology. If the TV sound is off, you're not getting measured. So what is that number? Conservatively, which is where I'd like to go, I'd say it's 10 15%. Some of the loss in viewing probably has to do with the TV set going on and off. Because remember, you know, each viewing minute adds up. So you can have a sample home, have the sound on for a while, and then keep the screen on the TV and then turn it off during dinner or something like that. And we stop measuring, then we're back after everything's done. So I think it could be 10%. The question is, how are you going to get at that? And I think that that's, it's easy to identify, and I'd love to hear somebody give me a solution that doesn't cost a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of things, the audio encoding, right? Is it possible that it could overstate an audience, particularly out of home, right? Let's say there's a bar, there's five different games on. Uh, most people are paying attention to, or well, let's talk about one specific viewer. Whichever viewer has the portable people meet around them, they're watching, say, a CBS game, but that's on mute because the rest of the bar is watching the Fox game. Yeah. Where will that person with the portable people meter, their viewership will be counting toward the game they're not watching then? That's right. That's right. And complicated viewing environments were one of the reasons why advertisers were not interested in out-of-home measurement, enthusiastic about it. They were concerned about that. They believed firmly, and it's in their interest to say, our visual and our audio creative matter. And because you're technically really measuring commercials, this is what's important to us, right? So you bring up a good point. What's interesting is in a sample home, um, if you have an audio, if you have an audio encode that you know you need to have, you, you, you can kind of, if you have a multiple audio codes coming in and there's a video, they try to credit, figure out how to credit to the proper screen. But in the viewing environment, um, that is um, a sports bar. If you have multiple sounds on, or if you're trying to match up an audio code from a different uh, game, that can be complicated. The one thing I would say about the NFL is that there's a chance if you, that you're going to match up correctly because the commercial rotations, depending on the window, are the same. So if you got a CBS game on the main screen, a sports bar, and most people are watching and it's muted. And then over to the left, you've got a different CBS game in the same window. 
you're going to luck into all things being equal, depending on the commercial rotations, giving the right commercials credit. Um, technically, right? But it's not it's not a straight line, right? You've brought up a great point. And it was one of the reasons why there were lots of questions about of home, out of home and what the um, advertisers didn't want to do. And I was a network guy, right? The advertisers just wanted to give a bunch of credit for a bunch of impressions when they weren't sure that they were necessarily matching with people were watching on the screen. And that's an excellent point because the reality of the matter is nine times out of 10, you're at the bar, you're not looking at the, the commercials. Once the game goes to a break, you're looking at another game, you're talking amongst yourselves. And yeah, uh, TJ. Uh, so I, we related this on the podcast, Patrick, a couple of weeks ago. I just did this. I have, uh, you don't know this, I have 14-year-old twin daughters. The circus is in town every day. They're high school <laughs> freshmen. So we decided to go get, I decided to give mom a little time off. I still had fantasy football interest. This was an off Sunday for me. I work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. We were not playing Sunday. We were playing Monday night with New Orleans. This was two weekends ago. We went to the traditional sports bar, chicken wings, beverage, and they had four games in front of us. One, as John has pointed out, and you articulated, uh, had the sound up. That was the Cincinnati, Kansas City CBS broadcast. But there were just as many people, there were probably 50 people in this place that were roaring and watching the Chargers-Raiders game on a screen right next to it. And I, I was paying as much attention to that game as I was the Cincinnati-Kansas City game. So that's John's question on, in a, in a sports setting with four or five TVs for the NFL, like we're talking about, you may be shorting who's actually watching what until the technology can catch up. That's what you're saying as well. Yeah, look, it's a complicated uh, measurement environment, and there was no way to do it with video. Audio encodes provide you an opportunity, but credit goes to the dominant source with audio. And um, you're engaged. You guys are talking about engagement and measuring that up with you know, we measure these things by commercial ratings now. Um, it's a great question, right? What's interesting. Um, number one is that this is probably not applicable to the example we've been given. We're talking about it from a that's more applicable to kind of like a day to day kind of thing. Right. For Thanksgiving, it's really not applicable. Most people are not watching a game in a sports bar. And even if they were, it would probably be the only only game on unless we've got some overlap or something. Right. Um, so uh, in this special case, we're talking about picking up measurement of. Uh, visitors in the home, which my understanding is a significant portion of the out of home that's materially important comes from that. And that basically gives a lot of two things. It really set, talks about before we had this tool, the weakness within the sample homes of logging in visitors. Okay. And sample homes are interesting things, right? Nielsen has the ability to people volunteer, you know, people love to become Nielsen homes and they, they stay three years in the sample. Their first couple months in the sample, they overview television and they over comply. It's crazy. Like the compliance graph is through the roof and then it drifts off. And their last, you know, six months in the sample, they're like non-compliant. They're like, they're like your 14 year old teenage daughters. <laughs> non-compliant. And uh, remember we should call it the 14, we should call it the teenage girl. That's uh, right. Syndrome. Well, I was thinking the same analogy is like with doctor's advice. The doctor is saying you got to eat better. You got to get some exercise and man, you're great guns for the first two or three weeks. You're exercising, you're eating better. And if you did a graph on what we all do, it probably dips at the two month mark or the three month mark. It's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, 
look, the sample homes are coached and Nielsen does a good job of that. You know, the, the sample gets a lot, it gets shot at a lot. And nobody shot, shot at it more than me in my 10 years when I was on the board of directors of the MRC. Nielsen knows that. Um, and uh, I used to go down there and get up all in their business and talk about what the program is get the ratings factory and tear everything apart, spend the weekend there with them. They hated me. They really did. I was a four-letter word. But the point of the matter is, is that they do know who's in the sample homes. They know a lot about them. They go in and visit them. That's one of the reasons why their demos are better than, quite frankly, what you get when you model stuff from digital. People always say, well, you know, digital knows exactly who's going. No, you don't. You know a device went in. That's all you really know. Everything else has to be modeled. Right. So at least Nielsen knows who's in the homes and they coach them, log people in, do these certain things. Uh, you know, they call them if a device falls, like a device, something stops dialing in. Right. They call them after Christmas and say, what'd you get new? So they coach them. But even with that, it's clear that if it, that that a lot of this lift is coming from people visiting the home, they weren't getting logged in before. So this viewing was always there. That's one of the things right now it's saving everything. And a lot of people are getting wrapped up around these comparisons, rightly so, to four or five years ago, trying to figure out where we really are. But the truth of the matter is a certain amount of that viewing was always there. And, and then there's the, the whole issue of something like the Super Bowl versus just a regular NFL Sunday, where there's clearly lift from sports bars and other places, including the home, to viewing. But let's as you go further down the popularity chain, we get into diminishing marginal returns really fast. Out of home stops making a material lift quickly. It works for certain things super well and has become crucial, crucial enough that that out of home measurement lift sits in now the 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 the, the LRPs, the long range plans of all the media networks over the next three years. But you can't plan on that for tier two and tier three sports at all. It doesn't lift everything. But it does lift things that are particularly conducive to out-of-home viewing, like Thursday football, like the Super Bowl, like Sunday football or Saturday college football, or the Final Four, right? Or the or or Game Five of the NBA Finals, right? Um, so it's just interesting to see its impact, you know, on the most on on certain things, and then watch it experience diminishing marginal returns. I'm not saying it's not important to everybody; it is, but it, it's it's. It's interesting because it's it's so strategic, but it's not equal. What was the issue that Nielsen had where it was undercounting the out-of-home audience from the beginning of out-of-home being in, included in the final nationals in, in August of 20, all the way through December of last year? And I, I have my suspicion because I know that Nielsen had a problem trying to figure out how to deal with the guest viewer and the out-of-home viewer. There was an issue where they were basically a viewer could be a guest viewer in somebody else's home or an out of home viewer. And yeah. they, they were having a difficult time figuring out how to deal with that. And according to Forbes, they did that by excluding guest viewing from out of home. Is that where that undercount kind of came from? Well, I think that was one of the problems. So they rolled this out and it's using you know technology that they had not really used before. Um, and you know, the, the out of home sample is not necessarily tied to the sample homes. And, you know, you could think theoretically that you could, if you were a coach sample home and somebody walked in, it was part of the out of home sample, right. Somewhere else, uh, 
and you could log them in and and then also the out of home would be picked up right so you had double counting possibly you had methodological issues of what are you talking about john which i think is right i also think that some of this um in particular coming right out of the pandemic that they're only now getting their arms around you know i talked about the strength of the nielsen sample everybody talks there's there's a mantra among the the some of the new measurement services many of them which are very good they love to talk about panel-based measurement is bad it's very bad you should be scared of that well i gave you the upside of it right they know who's in that panel they're good about it and they coach these homes and everything else, right? Here's the downside. The pandemic disintermediated that big time, right? They didn't have people visiting the homes. They didn't have people going out and, and knocking on doors, right? And so straightening out and coaching and seeing what's going on in the home and being able to match that up with the data you're getting back uh, in Oldsmar, which is their fact where the ratings factory is, uh, impacted some of this. And it impacted measurement overall, and it impacted out of home, and it, it, it impacted the difference between somebody you need to log in as a guest versus somebody who's in the out of home sample. So Nielsen has had some missteps. They always do. You know, sometimes I come off, people uh, think I'm defending Nielsen. I'm not. I'm just being fair. And the truth of the matter is, they got a lot of problems. And this is one of them, John, and you put your finger on it. It's like somebody should have actually asked themselves the question, what happens if somebody with a border people meter on is a guest in the home? And I think the answer was they didn't cross it necessarily. I can't believe they didn't cross it at all. But because a lot of the industry, including them, thought that all this measurement was going to come from sports bars or from airports. And it turned out a lot of it's coming from inside the home. It's like the call is coming from inside the house, John. So he's coming inside the house <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, we're double counting. What are we going to do? Well, let's just make a decision. And uh, yeah. And by the way, that's typical for Nielsen. It's one of the complaints of them, right? Some of this is wrapped up in Nielsen, but going back to what I opened up our conversation with, there is no real replacement for them. And that, and, and quite frankly, the broadcasters and the advertisers really don't want a replacement regardless of what they say. Interesting. Uh, I'm curious because you were mentioning about gatherings. So at the time we're doing this, the World Cup final is going to be played on a Saturday with Argentina and France. We've seen those shots from both Paris and Buenos Aires. And in Buenos Aires, I think about half of Buenos Aires is in the town square watching on a TV. So that's a whole different dynamic. But when you're talking about large thousands, tens of thousands and groups of people trying to measure that as audience that's another complication so i just thought i would add that into our stew pot and how how do we think this world cup final will do now that we have more accurate out of home measured it's not the united states involved we're never even in the quarterfinal much less the championship game but now that we have out of home patrick do you have a guess about this and obviously there are hundreds of millions that will see this game worldwide it is the biggest of deals worldwide patrick what are your thoughts well, I think in the United States, it's going to it's going to be it's going to be really, really big and out of home is going to help it. Um, this is the kind of event that really plays to out of home strength. Right. And um, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be a, a lot of it. It's it's going to be driven by the Latino Spanish language audience. It's going to be huge. Right. But the but the English language audience is going to be big as well, because the World Cup has become kind of like the Olympics. You don't have to watch 
the you know the 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 diving world diving championships to pay attention to diving during the olympics on a much larger scale you don't have to be engaged with soccer regularly to appreciate the world cup it's a global event and it is absolutely it, it arrived earlier it's the same with the women's world cup so these numbers are going to be helped by out of home they were already going to be big these are two you know of of the national teams I, you, this Argentina, obviously, with Messi, is the is 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 one of the biggest stories in sports, quite frankly. Um, and um, and uh, you know, France is a very popular team, so I think you're going to see, you know, a, a really large number here. And um, I, it, you know, it could it could be a record, could be a record, um, but at the very least, it's going to be very impactful. And it's and and and. And again, the World Cup is like the Olympics. It's its own thing. And I think as we've seen without even the United States involved in the in the uh, rest of the knockout rounds and the semis now, we're, we're seeing that it's not necessary to have the United States participate to produce really strategic level numbers. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the 10 a.m. start time might be a bit of a, a, a drag, but uh, do you think having that uh, lead into the NFL games too? I mean, the competition from the NFL was what people were so concerned about with this World Cup when it was first announced that it was going to be in the winter. Do you think having World Cup straight into the NFL will uh, help both events? Um, well, it won't hurt. I think the NFL is its own thing. I think that what, what you're going to see is that Fox Sports is going to get an NFL-like number for three incremental hours before they go to NFL. And that for them is going to be, you know, fantastic, right? I think it's important to understand that you're right, John. When, when this first happened uh, and I was at Fox, my first reaction was, oh, my God, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Right. But the truth of the matter is, is that the time, you know, that 10 a.m. Uh, start and FIFA's willingness to work with Fox ended up making it work. Right. Um, regardless of all the other things behind it. Right. Throw that aside. Fox was able to get FIFA to agree to schedule certain things at certain times to work with them on the windows. And that has worked out. 10 a.m. is uh, early. Um, but it's not that early, especially for an event like this that I think awareness is enormously high. And I think that the promotion inside NFL and college football over the past, you know, uh, 40 days has done nothing but help make sure everybody knows the World Cup's happening. And um, that shows the power of the reach vehicles for college football and the NFL and some of the other sports that air in the fall. Uh, you know, it, it's the property plus plus the distribution system equals reach, which meant that everybody knew the World Cup was happening, even though many of its matches were on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays during the day. Um, and, and so I think that Fox is looking at basically getting an extra window of NFL from this. But as far as the old tournament goes, um, it's been a fabulous tournament for them and it's worked out well. Um, and this originally was something like, like, oh, my God. And I think it's kind of like now, like, that's great. I had somebody entertain an idea. I think it was an investor. And like, do you think they should move it to the fall permanently? And I was like, no, <laughs> this has been fun. Now, let's get the hell out of here. And head to 2026. Well, let's let's get to next year with the Women's World Cup in New Zealand. Then let's let's get the hell out to 2026. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly been better than people expected. But uh, you probably don't want to mess around with uh, November and December too often uh, with this kind of an event. Why do you think it held up so much better than the Olympics did in Sydney back in 2000, which was in September and didn't do very well for NBC? Well, that was a different world. 
Okay. So we're talking about a lot less. Um, I, I think, I think from a, a viewing behavior perspective, right. You go back to 2000 Americans are locked into, you know, we, we have primetime entertainment is entertainment on broadcast television. We're, we're only beginning to approach really the, the massive content investments that the pay TV channels like FX and others were beginning to make in original content. They were mostly distribution for syndication or, or, or sports that, that were um, only beginning to get pushed over to pay TV because that's where all the growth was. They were mostly on, on broadcast TV. So um, I feel like the viewing habits and what was discoverable and what people were going to engage with in 2000, so different than today. Right. And um, and so and also the programming and 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 the way the network approached it was different. Right. Today, you put everything on the best you can across various distribution platforms. Hey, you want a 10 a.m. soccer match for the World Cup on broadcast television? You got it. Well, you know, 20, 22 years ago, your local affiliate in Chicago have something to say to you about that because they've got something else on and they make 100 percent of the revenue off of that. They don't only get just a few units because of that when you displace them. When a network displaces a, a, a broadcast affiliate, they take what was once 100% of all the advertising inventory and make it for the local affiliate about 10%. So the trade-off has to be strong enough that the network affiliates are okay with that. And they have a own group to attack you back with, the board of governors of the affiliates, and they are they are rough people and uh, they will let you know. I think and, I detect someone speaking from experience yeah. on, they will let you know. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So, um, so honestly, John, it's, it's, it, it, the, the environment's just so different. I think that, um, and, um, you know, honestly, I, I really believe uh, the promotion, right. Given the current viewing environment worked so well with this and sports's elevation from co-eval with entertainment programming on established distribution to the apex tip of the spear and probably the whole head of the spear for right, frankly, um, uh, is, is very different. So it's good to look at 2000, but it becomes so different so fast. You need to come into new explanations uh, when you try, try to explain something like what happened with the World Cup in 2022. I've got something, and I've said this for 25 years of doing sports radio shows, all, all the above, podcasts, whatever. They were trying to keep the info, the results, the highlights, the actual events from everybody for 14 hours while it was in Australia. No wonder it was a nightmare. Uh, the internet was just becoming a big deal at about that time, and it's not like you could keep it a secret on uh, on what had happened. Patrick, you've been great with us. I just have one more thing. We've got a ton of football at the time that we're doing this interview that is going to be on different time frames. For example, the NFL is playing a triple header on the Saturday of this December weekend, uh, and then next weekend, the college football playoff semifinals, Michigan, TCU, Georgia, Ohio State, are actually on New Year's Eve, Saturday afternoon and evening. I know that the advertisers aren't as thrilled with that. Uh, the college football playoff wants to try to keep the structure. They're, they're working with ESPN on that. And then we get a full NFL uh, three games, at least anyway, on uh, on Christmas Day coming up. Uh, we get a full NFL on New Year's Day. So this will be interesting because it's not the traditional Sunday or Saturday. And here we go back again with out of home, right? And groups and gatherings to watch these things at houses or at events to go and watch college football playoff games or huge NFL games that might be on a Christmas day or might be on a new year's day. Right. 
yeah, we're going to see some big numbers for this, regardless of whether the matchups are competitive or not. People are just going to turn it on. I mean, one of the interesting things about NFL, and I think college football to a lesser extent, is I think there's a habit just turning it on. I used to have this joke with people about, you know, don't don't get me started on the number of people who turn on their TV in a sample home and then there's nobody in the room because they walk away. Um, I do think there's some of that. Right. It's on. Right. And therefore and people go about doing their things. It's not like they're glued to the TV set for six hours. They get up, they do things, they 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 move around. But the truth of the matter is. The, these numbers are, are going to be pretty interesting to see because they're going to get that out of, out of home lift. And it'll be interesting to see this Saturday what the lift is versus Christmas. I think that's going to be interesting um, because, you know, Saturday is, you know, kind of a normal Saturday where people getting ready for the holidays, but it's not Christmas, right? Christmas, um, seeing what this NFL uh, does and, and quite frankly, seeing what the NBA does with it. I mean, my guess is that the blessings get spread equally here. Right. The NFL will be by far number one. Right. But the truth of the matter, and it won't be just because the Dolphins are playing, but they'll be for sure number one on Christmas Day. But it could help the NBA because so far when it comes to places, you know, situations like this, it's been a rising tide lifts all boats. And this is a special day uh, when you're right out of home. This was made for out of home. And we've learned it's not really about sport. It's not just about sports bars. It's about visiting other people's houses. And this is just going to give more incentive guys for the leagues to begin to think about of all types, how they program these holiday days. We used to start taking a unique approach to that. Um, there used to be this philosophy for many years. We inherited it from CBS that you want Thanksgiving, you don't want to put your best game there. And we adjusted that programming philosophy at Fox, I forget, you know, 10 years, 11, 12 years in. And we started asking for important matchups there. And now it's reached a place where you have to ask yourself the question, like, do you want one of your top five picks in there? Right? Because it's just so big. And it's like throwing, it's like throwing a, a ton of gasoline on a giant roaring bonfire. The audience is there. They're being measured imperfectly, but they're being measured now. Let's give them something to really watch. And so it will be interesting to see the numbers, especially this Saturday coming up compared to Christmas. But um, it's, 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 it's sports' world, and we all just live in it. And within sports, football, and then, of course, the NFL is on its own. Like, I don't know, any planet's not even the right world. They got their own galaxy out there. <laughs> and uh, they, they, it's them versus it's them, and then there's everybody else. I just have uh, one more quick question, but before I get before I get to that, uh, your prediction: Fox has Eagles Cowboys in that America's Game of the Week slot on Christmas Eve Saturday. Yeah. That's a bad time slot. Christmas Eve Saturday, four twenty-five. That's getting into people are getting ready for midnight mass late in that window. That's such a huge matchup, though. Any Church service, other... dinner, yeah. last-minute shopping. God help you if you are. Yeah, yeah absolutely, John. So do you think the matchup is so good and the implications are so high? This would probably be close to 30 million on a regular Sunday. Is there any chance that that game beats each of the three, frankly, terrible matchups on Christmas Day? Right. Well, um, so I'll be honest. I, I, I think we're going to learn a few things from this. I, I would not be surprised if it's if it outrates or if it, if it does so well that you say like, well, it didn't outrate Christmas Day because everybody was there and had it on. But um, but, you know, God, they're all in the same group together. I, I mean, what's interesting, it goes back to this idea. Um, if the number is bigger than it normally would be, 
and you gave everybody something important and out of home measurement help help push it. Um, and then you're going to have games on Christmas day. You know, you can sometimes figure out the right one to program in that window, but the bottom line is you're programming that window. And the idea that you would do some of these holiday programming in the way we do it today wasn't the case 10 years ago. And so, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how a Christmas Eve game that is material, because you never know if these things are going to be material when you draw them up, right? That's where flex scheduling came in and cross flexing and things like that. You know, um, but my guess is that Fox feels decently about their chances here, because I think that without a home measurement, you know, you're going to capture some people you never captured before. And you're going to be surprised how many people are going to be prepared to settle down at, at four for this or in the afternoon for this and then head and then and do what they're going to do later. I, I think that um, you program these windows now. You don't take them off. And this is going to be, an, I think, another example of why you do it. All right. And um, just to wrap up, the big issue with out of home is the comparisons to prior years. So Robert Seidman of Sports TV Ratings has been very much aggressive in pointing out how, you know, the comparisons to prior years don't really hold up because of that out-of-home caveat. Uh, he'd mentioned, and let me get the exact number here from the Thanksgiving Day, uh, the Thanksgiving Day numbers. Um, the Giants-Cowboys game at 42 million viewers, but 16.6 million were from out-of-home. Now, if you're comparing that to prior years, if you take that 16.6 million out, not only was it not a record, you're talking about an audience of about 25 million. That would be on the low side. Apples to apples comparing to 2018, 2017, all those prior years. That's the kind of number that the NFL got on Thanksgiving in the Trump year when everyone was so worried about the ratings. So my question to you is, do you believe that NFL viewership is truly up this year or is it just a function of having that out of home lift compared to 2019 and prior years? I think out of home is material, having a material impact to this. Here's my, what I would say about it, though. Some of this was always there. And it's important to understand that even when you make any comparisons to prior years, the country has gotten so much bigger right um you know uh, you know it's 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 the whole rating share thing right um uh the entire universe is is much bigger than it was 10 15 20 years ago i always go back to um in 1987 nielsen introduced the people meter into the national center which meant that demos now suddenly were electronically measured right they were measuring households electronically when they started measuring demos it sent the whole business sideways for a little bit because the viewing wasn't what everybody expected it to be. What happened was, is what people say they do and what they do are different things. We've had these kind of events before. Robert's right. Um, and, you know, Robert really understands this stuff. Robert um, is right that, you know, we're not talking enough about its role and where it's pushing us. It doesn't make it any less real, though from a business perspective to the marketplace. And he's not trying to make that point that it shouldn't make a difference, but he's right about trying to understand it because Robert wants to understand it. Uh, the, and he's right to point this out. But from a practical perspective in the marketplace, the advertisers are satisfied with it. The suppliers are satisfied with it and we're transacting. And it is a new error. So you're going to have to watch this. I think that um, 
the most the, the bigger the bigger threat to trying to figure out what's really going on is the acceptance both in the press well really just in the press of multiple measurement statistics right that are augmented by internal non-audited systems from the networks and as somebody who was a network guy i can tell you that this is a this is going to make comparables far more harder i think than saying look we've we we've we've ap- we've added uh, measurement outside the sample home, and we've added more accurate measurement inside the sample home, even though it's not completely accurate. And um, yes, uh, if we didn't have it, we'd probably be declining in viewing, right? Because everything's declining, but we've recaptured it. And what we've learned is that it was much bigger than we ever expected. So that's something that, you know, um, we only do if we get better. Um, um, so, um, you know, and so you still need to allocate capital there. Those, those viewers that are out of home are just as, you know, within reason as valuable as the ones in the home. But when you start taking your own measurements and throwing them in there, that's where you start saying like, well, I can't replicate your internal measurement. Your internal measurement is audited by no one. Your internal measurement may be different than my internal measurement. So we are to start having this fudge factor on this. I understand why people do it, but um, I view that as a bigger problem. Um, a more strategic problem. If that got really out of hand, um, you wouldn't be able to really know what the hell anybody was watching anything, which is, by the way, the problem with digital measurement overall. You know, that's where we got the three second reach vehicle versus six minutes, John. That's where we got, you know, one trillion views. I mean, this is what it suddenly turned into like, what the hell exactly am I getting here? So that's just me. Uh, ranting, but um, and that's one of the reasons why Nielsen will probably stick around because you need at least some part of it to be third party measured, and that's also why you always have an MRC because you need them to audit them, even though currently Nielsen is, which they frequently do, in the uh, MRC doghouse, so to speak, with their accreditation ranked, uh, right, yanked. Though expect them to get that back eventually, but also expect the business to continue on without it. Just a quick follow up you mentioned third party. Uh, verification and all of that, Adobe Analytics would be not the fudge factor. That's a legitimate, you know, that that is accredited and everything. Um, so I don't know if Adobe Analytics are exactly accredited exactly, okay? But I will tell you that if everybody agrees upon a standard or a supplier, um, it be- makes auditing easier and accrediting easier, okay? So if you're going to have a third-party source measure you, like Adobe, Okay, using a system that's transparent that all the participants in the marketplace can see. Okay, and then even present itself for accreditation to a third party like the MRC. Then you've created a structure that that everyone can kind of have reasonable faith in, if not exact faith. Right. Um, There's all sorts of problems with digital measurement. None of them are any more perfect, in my opinion, than Nielsen. Um, They may be more accurate in one way, but they have problems elsewhere. But the point is, is that everyone agrees upon the methodology and they agree upon the way in which its accuracy or inaccuracy is measured. And that creates trust to transact in the marketplace. That's what Nielsen actually has, even though they're highly imperfect. All right. We could keep going another hour, I'm sure, but we do have to 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 finish this up. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time and clarifying a bit of all of this ratings discussion ahead of one of the most uh, busy stretches that we've ever had. World Cup final, NFL, bowls, NBA playoffs. It's going to be a heck of a couple of weeks coming up. 
Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. This has been a lot of fun. You know, I don't get a lot. I get I get some of these questions from from some of my investor clients, but but not like this. This is just fun for me to get. Most of them want to hear about like who's going to get NFL Sunday ticket. Well, yeah. yeah. Do you have that answer? Are you holding out on us? You don't have that oh, answer God, right now. Stay tuned. Another, As we like to yeah, say in the good. business, stay tuned. Stay, right? Stay tuned. It, it it it's product market fit has evolved, and that is the issue. And um, uh, it's going to get a home, but. Um, it, 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 it's a different world than 1995. I think everybody's starting to get that, understand that. All right. And just want to thank you one more time, Patrick, for joining us. Uh, it was a great conversation, great insights. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you are one of the most quoted people about sports TV ratings for a reason. So thank you again. Thank you. In business, Deloitte sees two approaches to innovation. People who look at the new technologies and changes swirling around them and wonder what's possible. And people who use cloud to engineer it. Creating new revenue with industry cloud platforms. Optimizing costs through multi-cloud adoption. And adopting technologies from AI to edge. Join the innovators. Start at Deloitte.com slash US slash cloud. And get the end-to-end services you need to get the cloud value you expect. Deloitte. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.